This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. <laughs> Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Hi, everybody. It is Tuesday, so you know what that means. I am going to be talking to somebody really cool. And today I'm talking to Elizabeth King. She is an international fertility coach, which maybe you don't know what that is, and she explains what that is in this episode. She is a health coach. She is a birth and bereavement doula, which I thought was fascinating because we hear a lot about doulas that help people in like their late pregnancy and during labor and delivery. But what about people who, you know, have miscarriages or lose a child during birth? I feel like that is an area that doesn't get as much attention and there's not, people don't know where to turn, right? It's not like you're getting emotional support or like guidance, very much guidance anyways, from physicians because that's not really their job. So I talked to her about that and what that means. We also get into the fact that infertility affects one in eight women or couples. We talk about miscarriage and loss and how you can thrive in pregnancy after a loss. And I think about this topic a lot because there's lots of people in my life who have struggled with fertility and who have had losses and miscarriages. And I think we even bring up in this episode that the term miscarriage is misleading. It's one of those terms that people use that is just kind of like thrown around. And I think it's just you hear it so often that you don't actually sit and think about what that means. It's like the word doesn't match the devastation of what it is. Similar to like the word C-section. We just kind of throw that around, but we don't actually consider what that is, like a major abdominal surgery. You know, we just kind of say like, oh yeah, she had a C-section and it's the same with a miscarriage. So anyways, we talk about that. We talk about how to thrive in pregnancy after a loss because I can't imagine that, you know, if you've had the experience of losing a pregnancy, losing a child, 
Like, how do you thrive in pregnancy after that experience? You know, I think a lot about my sister and people in my life who have had losses. How do you overcome that and then, you know, enjoy a pregnancy that ends up being healthy? You know, it must be really difficult. So we talk about that. We talk a little bit about male factor infertility because, again, that's something that is not talked about very often. And yeah, the experience of being a mom after going through major infertility struggles. So this is just one of those important conversations that, you know, there needs to be more conversations like this out there in the world so that people don't feel like they're the only ones going through these things. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you know someone who is struggling with infertility or someone who is now pregnant after, you know, struggling with infertility, send them this episode. Maybe they will find some comfort. They can check out Elizabeth King's website. She has like lots of resources on there, her Instagram account. So yes, with that being said, please enjoy this episode with Elizabeth King. To start off, I thought you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your experience with infertility, and also how you got into this line of work. So I am a fertility health coach. I've been a certified master life coach since 2008. And really, that's kind of how it all came together was I was already helping people with relationships and body issues and things that just they would come to me with more wanting more concrete tools to work through things. And then through my own experience with fertility, I started... So I had I froze my eggs at 36 because I was single. So I got divorced from my first husband at age 30, went to the doctor at that time to say, can I freeze my eggs? Because I had been around quite a few people in work at that time that were like, don't get down the road that we did, go do this. And he said, you're too young, come back later. And I was like, what does that even mean? I didn't know that was a thing. Well, essentially is eggs thaw better when they are made into an embryo. So it's better to have frozen embryos versus frozen eggs. So he was basically come back later. So I was at 36, still single, went back and froze eggs at that time. I had 11 eggs frozen. And that was kind of, you know, that's considered IVF. That was my first experience of that whole world really, as far as being in that seat myself. I had at 19, my sister was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer where she was not able to have kids. She had a radical hysterectomy and whatnot. So I was exposed to an experience where it was taken away from you as not being an option. And then people trying to figure out, you know, are, can you save the ovaries? And what about surrogacy and all of those conversations? But it wasn't until my 30s that I was in that seat of like, okay, and let's kind of do it as an insurance policy. It wasn't that I had this burning yearning desire to have kids at that point. It really wasn't even on my radar. It was more about I had my 401k and I had my eggs frozen and I was good to go and kind of keep building my business and whatnot. At age 39 is when I my period started getting heavier and more painful and I could tell that something was wrong. So I went back to my OB and she did an ultrasound and they said, everything is fine. And my gut feeling was like, everything was not fine. I needed to go back to my, it's called a reproductive endocrinologist, who's the fertility doctor to have that checked out. And because I 
had seen him previously a few years before, we had already had this type of relationship going. So I just said, I want to start, I think, using my uterus soon. 39 and a half, I just met my current husband. And he said, as much as they are small, which is why they told you they're not a problem, the location of them is preventing you from conceiving. And Therefore, you'll, you will need to have a surgery. He recommended going to a gynecological oncologist because they have the best equipment. And I recommend this for everybody rather than just going through your regular OB because you really want to try to avoid scarring or any other damage that could potentially be caused. Obviously, if you're dealing with ovaries or uterus or whatnot, you want the best equipment to be being used at that time. So I had that surgery. And at this point, I was 40. and he had to wait us, you know, I think it was three or four months for the recovery of the uterus before they were like, okay, you're 40 years old, you need to like start now. And we did and we got pregnant right away. So I thought, oh, all of our problems are solved. And that's all I needed. And here we here we go on our way. And subsequent to that, I ended up having losses. And that's really when it shifted to me that I needed to show up in this space to help support men and women that were going through this. We were in a, a bed doing our first DNC, which is after the miscarriage, they essentially do a surgical procedure to take out the tissue. And like four feet next to us with a fabric drape was another couple doing their first round of IVF. So they were so excited and so hopeful and and we were like at our lowest low. I get goosebumps just even talking about it of like the dichotomy of what life was happening literally right next to me. And realizing that nobody prepares you for either of those situations. There was no support happening to say, you know, yes, you hear about people going through divorce or building houses and it's stressful or changing jobs, but nobody was really talking about how stressful it is to try to have a baby or go through a miscarriage and and how do you function from that and move on and thrive in your life. And so that's when it actually just ironically started as a kind of a grassroots normal thing where people would say, hey, my friend Susie's going to see a fertility doctor. Would you mind going with her? This is obviously pre-COVID to ask questions because they're not sure what to even start with or, you know, Katie had a miscarriage. Can you please talk to her? She just needs some hopeful information. And again, because I had been a life coach and in that realm of helping people and giving them tools, because it's one thing to talk to somebody, but it's another thing of like, what do I do? How do I even move forward? How do I, you know, just talking to a client before you in Belgium of like, she's like, I just don't even want to go outside, you know, like, so it's helping somebody just to take that one step in front of the other to say, okay. We're going to get a plan together. We're going to help move forward and it'll be okay. We just got to... You're not alone and you are supported going through this. So that's how I that's how I started in coaching with fertility. It is such a needed service. It shocks me. My sister has been going through infertility stuff for years and she finally... She just had her first ultrasound after her fourth IVF transfer. This one worked, but she's had Yay. three previously. Yeah. So yesterday, she's actually in the living room right now. <laughs> so yesterday was her first ultrasound for this one. And she got to see the heartbeat and everything. But Yay. yeah, super exciting. But just to see the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs, it's unbelievable. And just getting pregnant naturally 
can be so nerve wracking. So when you add in the infertility piece and like going through IVF and the transfers and the medications, it's just this whole other layer of stress and anxiety. When you were saying about COVID, I remember last summer she had, after a transfer, she had to go by herself and find out that it was an ectopic pregnancy. And like her fiance was in the car in the parking lot and she was by herself. And I was like, there should be people like you involved in all of these cases to help people with the emotional aspect of it. For sure. And the doctors and nurses are not qualified to be doing that. You know, no, that's I mean, not their I job. remember myself. No. And it's awkward for them and it's awkward for us. And they don't know what to say. And I've actually had doctors call me to say, can you talk to this couple? I She just had a loss and her husband's in the parking lot during COVID, you know, because again, nothing prepares you for the situation. And then to feel like you're separated even more so from your partner during this time is even more difficult because the overwhelm is insane. And usually couples, it's a hard thing to go through as a couple because you see, especially you know, for the partner that's not going through it, they want to just put a bandaid on it. They want to make it better. They want you to. They want you to have what you want, right? And and sometimes that means going through five, six rounds of IVF, eight in some cases. And sometimes it's coming together as a couple to say, okay, we're okay with stopping now or going another route. And that's where I kind of step in for a lot of people to say what is the path that might be right for you? So maybe it's egg donor, maybe it's embryo adoption, maybe it's traditional adoption, but it's only that couple or individual sometimes will know when it's time to, to look somewhere else. You can't force that because then you'll come up with regret later. And that nobody wants that. Have you found that if a couple is going through like fertility treatments and if they've had a loss, do you find that there's a little bit of a disconnect? Like the woman is handling it or whoever was undergoing the procedure. Do you find they take it more difficult than their partner and there can be like resentment or they feel like their partner doesn't understand or their partner's not taking it as seriously? Like what's your experience with that? Unfortunately, more often than not, is that's how it is. And for not because they're bad people, it's just because they don't know what to do, right? And so I often get a lot of partners to say, no, continue to work with this coach because it enables them to know that they're talking to somebody who understands what they're going through and can help them and give them tools, even as a couple of how to manage this, right? Otherwise, they're talking about it too much or they're not talking about it enough. And She's saying, well, I I just assumed we would be doing another round. And he's like, I don't want to spend the money on another round or whatever. So there's a lot of different aspects that come up from a perspective with couples going through it that, again, they're just not prepared to do this. And there are some therapists that specialize in fertility. But I think where the difference is with me working with individuals and or with couples and why we see so much success is because we work from a mind-body-spirit aspect. So it's everything as well as it's more of a dialogue. I always say it's almost like a personal trainer. So 
you know about my life, I know about your life. It's not like there's, there isn't a boundary as far as, oh, how does that make you feel? No, we want to know what to do next. We want to know how to move forward. We want to know how to make this better and what we can do to improve our fertility, you know, from our egg quality or sperm quality, as well as our relationship and not identify as somebody who's infertile or having fertility issues like because people get so wrapped up and that's what their life is and they feel like their life is on hold especially during covid because they're afraid if i get covid then my transfer is going to be delayed and then i won't get on the list for a long time so they feel like they're not having fun in their life and i always say spirit babies want to come to couples that are having fun and creating and moving on with things and so i help them to again put that one foot in front of the other to realize that there is value in being positive and trying to get there because there are studies literally like Harvard medical school studies that show you're 55% more likely to conceive if you're doing the mental work along with it. That's like a huge number. That's not one five, 55%. So I really focus on those numbers. So people realize this is not just like, oh, it's you know a nice to have. It's a must have when you're trying to go through this. Can we talk a little bit about the rate of infertility or like how many couples actually struggle with conceiving? Because I feel like when I was in my 20s, I never even heard about it. And now that I'm in my 30s, I feel like sometimes I know more people who struggle with infertility than I know that don't. Like is part of it because people are having babies later in life or has infertility increased in the last little while? It actually has increased, but also you're in that realm now, right? You're you're in that age where everybody's having babies. So it's like you think of the green car and you see green cars everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but really it has. So globally, we're at a six-year decline as well as in the US. In Canada, it's one in six couples that are suffering from infertility. In the US, it's one in eight. So I always say, like, if you're looking at your neighborhood or you're in a Starbucks or something, if you think about that, that's a lot. And one in four with miscarriage that we know of. So the even greater chances that the person next to you has gone through that. Part of that is, yes, people are waiting to have them older, but the level of how society has shifted from what would have been normal from 50 years ago to even 25 years ago with phones and computers and our life work expectation is so greatly, you know, skewed to that way that everything changes for us and and your fertility changes along with that because we're so connected to everything that is not grounding us in fertility, which we used to be, which as crazy as it sounds to say, but, you know, as a woman's body, we are meant to show up in our feminine energy. And most of us don't live in feminine energy because we are working and we are taking care of all the things and we're paying bills and we're, you know, we're in a different mindset than we were even 25 years ago. And that shows up in a lot of ways, as well as different toxins that are in our foods and in our environments that weren't before. So there's several different reasons that it's increasing. But at the same time, we do know a lot more. We do know that we're able to affect our egg health, which they didn't know before. So, you know, every 120 to 150 days, your eggs go on, they regenerate essentially. So you get up a new batch of eggs. So if somebody is going through a round of IVF where they're going to do a retrieval, you 
want them to essentially tee themselves up for that 120 to 150 days prior to you know, do their lifestyle, nutrition, mindset, all of those things that play a role in that before so that they know, okay, everything that I could be doing to affect change is going to show up in this retrieval versus, you know, not even paying attention to it as we were before, because we didn't know that it was possible to do that. We knew like you're born with your eggs and that was what it was. Or, you know, as my doctor told me, my 25-year-old eggs are 25 years old and my 40-year-old eggs are 40s. That's how they think. But now we know that it is possible. It's their cells. So we essentially treat that as how we would treat a cell to help it get better and and be stronger and and show up in a better way. So I had my children 41 to 44. So I'm a big proponent of you can do it and it's possible. You just need to make sure that all of those things are aligned in order to support you to do that, as well as living in your feminine energy as much as possible and being aware of those types of things. But you're not wrong in knowing that it's on the rise. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals, so you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding, and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. 
If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. When people are going to have a retrieval, let's say they're just working with a physician at like a fertility clinic, do they give them any kind of advice for those, like you were saying, the 150 days before, or it's just kind of like, this is the date where you're doing your retrieval and that's it? Pretty much. They're even very, I don't want to use the word reluctant, but they definitely don't offer up information as far as take the supplement or, you know keep exercising or, or pare down your exercise. For the most part, this is very, being very generalized, but essentially all I need to know is how old you are, how your body's operating and when we will retrieve, right? So, you know, one doctor, I went in there and they didn't even know anything about me. and was like, well, you need to do egg donation. I'm like, I just had a baby, like not that long ago. Like, I feel like I don't need to do that. But even though that's an amazing option, he didn't look at anything other than my age, right? So his success rate would have been better knowing that he was using eggs from a 30-year-old, right? Rather than a 41 or 2-year-old, however old I was at that time. So I think it's also important to know that as much as they have a significant role and we were not replacing them, we need them very desperately. But at the same time, Again, the success comes from the bigger picture of the mind, body, spirit, all of those things coming into play and them being a main role in that. Yes, but also knowing that we do have the ability to affect change. I really wish there was more of like a blending between kind of like holistic health treatments and, you know, like Western medicine. There's such a barrier and it drives me nuts, especially because, well, I'm in Canada, but the more holistic approaches are not covered by insurance, right? So it sucks because so many people could benefit, no matter what it is, like not even just with infertility, can benefit from supplements, lifestyle changes. But I find like the medical, my husband's a physician, so we always talk about this. <laughs> And I'm like into like naturopaths and like holistic (laughs) health. And he's like, oh God. But yeah, I wish there was more like, it would be nice if, yeah, it was blended, I guess. And I, I do see from the perspective on fertility, the more that we're seeing this new, this younger generation of doctors come up, we are moving towards that because it's almost like you can't deny it. You know, people that are coming out of medical school now that clearly have been around people whose, you know, parents maybe have said you're eating organic or whatever, are probably going to think twice about putting every other Susie on birth control for acne, right? Like, why are they doing that with teenagers? Like, we don't need to be doing that. That's putting a bad message to their body at a very young age that, you know, we don't want you to function the way that you're meant to function. So I do think that we're slowly going to be getting to an awareness of at least fertility doctors that are going to be a little bit more open to the other side of things. Okay. One of the things we were going to talk about is how to thrive in pregnancy after having a loss. And I, just because of what my sister has gone through, I always think about it's stressful 
to be pregnant when you haven't had a loss. And, you know, like I remember my entire pregnancy, every time I would go pee, I would wipe and I would be like, is there blood? Is there blood? Like that's always just something that's on your mind. But now if you've experienced a loss, that must just be so heightened. So how do you help people, I guess, thrive in pregnancy, but also to be excited about it and to be happy because I feel like that is something that would get robbed you know once you've had a loss you feel like you can't be excited so how do you work with clients for that yeah I mean most I I will say most actually have a slight area of PTSD after you know pregnancy after loss and I did as well you have anxiety every time you're going in especially if you're a fertility patient you're going in every week right so every you know, whatever your day is, Monday or Tuesday or whatever, you're having anxiety before, like, oh my God, is there going to be a heartbeat again? You know, and going through that is not only stressful for you, but also for your partner. Again, they're watching you go through this. And of course, they want that heartbeat to be there as well. But it's different when it's you who have experienced it, right? So the first thing is just really acknowledging that it's normal and it would be unnormal for us to have this expectation for our mind and our body to forget that experience. So we don't try to say that never happened, pretend like, you know, just stay positive and that's all you're going to need to do. We offer that space, first of all, from honoring the loss that you had before. Like we really do a lot of work for that initially. And maybe it's an embryo loss or your transfer didn't, wasn't successful or whatever. So it's whatever loss is for you because it's different for everybody. Some people don't consider that a loss and other people feel like it's a very large loss for them. So having, you know, whether that's a piece of jewelry that reminds you or you plant a flower or you have a special place that you go to, to think about that experience, because every time somebody has a transfer or they do a retrieval or whatever, it's this sense of hope. You write this story in your head mentally of what life's going to be like, right? If I have my transfer now, my baby will be due in July. So then you may be thinking about that every July. So really getting some footing around that first, right? What has been your experience going into this? So we know that we're acknowledging all of those things that have happened before this date. So we're really saying, we're not putting any of that behind. We're going to take that with us, but we're going to also know that we are writing a different story this time. We're showing up different than we did the time before. And that's what's most important. So how can we find the joy in every day? And it may not... like Joy may be a big word for some people that are in it, right? Like I just want to like feel normal you know, not even joyful, right? So how do I feel that? And figuring out for each person, what does that look like? So is that journaling? Is that meditating? Is that cooking? Is that going for a run? If you can still run depending on where you're at in your cycle and everything. And figuring out what it is for you that brings you up and gets you out of that, again, identifying as somebody who's going through this, right? Who am I as Elizabeth, aside from this crazy situation that I'm in? Because what the underlying thing for everyone who's going through this is we never expected that this is what our life would be like, right? So it's not a competition of how many rounds of IVF you had or how many losses you had. It's just like, we just never thought that this would be how it went, right? Like we're trying not to get pregnant. We never in a million years thought it would be the opposite. So 
acknowledging that, but also understanding the science of it, right? The epigenetics. I find this helps a lot of people to say, you know, I I need to move forward and I need to be positive for my baby. So the cortisol, the stress hormones that are going through my blood, I don't want that to be passed down to my baby, right? So what can I do to to move forward from that so that I can be functioning as in my body as healthy as possible? So those genes are being passed to my baby rather than the scared, anxious, nervous, you know, those sorts of things that will be in your body because of it. And I find when people really talk about that sort of part of it, the the data, the numbers, the the scientific information, it's easier for them to like, okay, get their head around it. Because we all know, like, if they say don't stress, then you're stressed about being stressed because you know, you're not supposed to be stressed. And then you're like, excuse my language, but (laughs) you know, like now what do I do? Right. And so again, having that support system or those tools to know, okay, what is it for me? Like, I know for me, if I meditate right now, it's like, I'm wasting my time. I'm just not, it's just not working for me. But I do know if I can get out for a walk or I can write for a little while, even for two minutes, I tell people you're that putting pen to paper, it magnifies it by 10 times to the universe or whatever it is that you are, that you're putting that intention out there, whether that's putting your direct feelings of how bad you're feeling that day or how good you're feeling that day. You know, I often say, do a future gratitude. So it doesn't even need to be a full journal, but just how do you expect your life to be like putting it out there. And when you're in that space of gratitude, it's really hard to live in the space of anxiety as well. And for people whose bodies have gone through so much with fertility and IVF, the, the gratitude and the love around your body is so important. You know, my body reacted to the medication today. Like, thank you so much, body, for doing that. You know? Like, I had to take all these injections, but you said okay to that, right? Like, you did what they were wanting you to do. So it's just having those small steps of gratitude through it. And then once you get to the ultrasounds and all of that, it's really focusing back to like, thank you for being at this time today. And in this moment, we're dealing with the facts. So if you're still at a beta number, which is what a pregnancy test would be through fertility, they they measure that number. So you may be at 125 one day, and then they want you to double that number. So staying with those facts. So today I know my I have a positive beta, right? So like live in the world of to this moment as much as possible, because it's so easy to go past that. But having somebody to help you remind you too of like, okay, we're going to stay back in here. We're going to stay in this lane right now, right? In this moment, you know for a fact that you are pregnant. That's all you need to know. Like, this is not your last pregnancy. This is not Susie's pregnancy. This is your story right now, right? So staying there as much as possible. And each week, again, for those that go through fertility that go every week, it's focusing on the joy in those moments. So is it a faith purchase, right? Like I'm going to go online, I'm going to put a Pinterest board together, or I'm going to buy a onesie that I saw that was cute of rainbows or whatever it may be. So you're, again, putting it out there to say, I'm going to embrace this and know that this is going to be different than last time. So those are a few of my tips for people that are going through it. (laughs) 
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Those are just great tips, even like in general, you know, not so much worrying about the future or, you know, thinking about the past. It's like trying to be mindful and just staying in the moment. Something you said that made me think about this was you were saying some people, you know, would lose an embryo and to them that's considered a big loss. And I feel like with infertility, people who haven't struggled with infertility have a hard time Understanding why a woman or a couple is so upset because they had a a miscarriage, let's say that's like a really early, early miscarriage. But I like what you said, how what someone considers a loss can be different from what somebody else considers a loss. And I remember talking to one of my friends who had a really early on miscarriage and she's really been struggling with it. And I had a hard time understanding that as well. But she was like, it's not so much that loss. It's you're losing your entire like plan. Like you were saying, it's like in nine months, like this is our due date. And you know, this is going to be the nursery. And like, you're planning out your life at that point. And your life looks totally different from what it was before you found out you were pregnant. And so that loss is like a loss of that life that you were looking forward to. So I just, I think that's important to point out because I think when people haven't dealt with infertility, 
sometimes it's hard to understand like, well, it was a really early miscarriage or it was just an embryo. Like, what's the big deal, you know? But it is a big deal. It's it's the loss of a future life that you were planning out. Yeah. And most people don't ever get an answer as to why it happened. So that makes it difficult too. So people will have embryos that are genetically tested that sometimes don't take. And so, you know, when you have an, an uncle passed away or something, you know, oh, he had a heart attack or a stroke or, you know, there's generally, we always have a reason to, to know why somebody has left us or that period has ended with a miscarriage or an embryo loss. We don't always have that answer. So that's coupled on top of that story, as you were just mentioning, that we write for our life of not only did we lose that story, but we don't know why, right? We have no real definitive answer as to what happened. Sometimes you do, but for the most part, you don't. And so it's basically you're told to have trust that it's going to happen again, like that it won't happen again and that this is normal. And those are the types of things that when you're having a loss, you don't want to hear like, Oh, it's okay. It'll happen again. At least you got pregnant. Like you want to just punch someone in the face because that's, that is not what this is about. And you know, it's, it's a grieving process. And that's why so many countries now actually are getting on board with giving people bereavement time off from their job because they are acknowledging that this is a death and it should be treated as so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like things are starting to change for sure. Even just with people on social media and like conversations like this, like there's a lot more talk about it. I find now like people are open, whereas before it wasn't really talked about as much. People would just kind of suffer in silence. Yeah, for sure. I know when I had my first, I didn't know anybody who had 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 a loss until I started talking about it. And they're like, oh yeah, my sister-in-law, my whatever. I'm like, okay, why didn't anybody tell me this? Because you feel so alone. You feel ashamed. You feel embarrassed. You feel guilty. All these like weird things that you know, logically you shouldn't feel. But the more that we start talking about it as a collective, the more that we know that, okay, this is all normal. And there's somebody here to support you, whether that's Renee or Elizabeth or you know, her sister or somebody who can relate to you, you're not alone in going through this. You do not need to suffer in silence. There's people that want to help you. Let's talk a little bit about male infertility. What does that look like? And I know just from like talking to friends who are going through fertility treatments, it's like we focus on usually the woman And, you know, they go through all these invasive tests and blood work. And, you know, sometimes the man will do a semen analysis, which is just like this quick little test. But what are some male factor infertility issues? So right now, again, it's a, it's actually really good because it is being acknowledged the fact that it's not always the egg, right? It's not. 100% always egg, which of course doesn't take a genius to figure that out. So I'm not sure why the world is just now starting to have this conversation (laughs) openly, but as well as the fact that those semen analysis should be done right away too. You know, I have clients that have been three years down the road of infertility only to find out that it's not them. And that's like crazy to me. You know, that's becoming more rare now that these conversations around male factor are coming up, but it's still, it's still there. The good thing around male fertility is that in most cases, not all, but in most cases, 
they are really able to affect change with the sperm quality, mobility, and all of those things that go along with it. So you need the sperm to have the right shape and you need it to have the right amount of speed to be able to get there. The main things are are those, right? So those things tend to be able to be affected by, again, lifestyle, diet, exercise, supplements, and you can really see a big change. So I've had clients that, you know, they just had their lake house and they had a hot tub outside and the husband was in the hot tub every night and stopped doing that. And his sperm count went up hugely just from that perspective, right? And most men don't even realize that that's a thing. Long bike rides, phones in your front pocket, laptops on your lap, which is really common now with people working from home so much. So there's a lot of things that affect that as well as, you know, people that are eating and drinking and smoking things that they shouldn't be doing, right? Again, it's always been like, oh, well, she's doing the fertility diet. She's taking the supplements. She's doing all the things. But yet, if the male partner is still smoking and drinking or whatever, that's going to affect the cell growth of that sperm, right? So again, it could have two heads. It one might not have the tail to get it to where it needs to go. And all of those things, if you have a healthy egg and the sperm is not quite where it, what it should be, then you're not going to have a healthy embryo. So it's just as important as the females to make sure that they are you know, up to par with their lifestyle, diet, nutrition, supplements, all of those things. And the, again, the good news is, is you can really go do your semen analysis one month and then wait 75 to 85 days and do it again and see, okay, look at what I did. Like, this is so cool. I've made all these changes and there's a difference. Whereas, you know, for the eggs, it's not that easy because we have to, if you're not doing fertility treatments, we're just assuming that all of these things are working just like we are putting health into a cell. But for the the males, it's it's awesome to me because you can actually see the data change, which is great. So again, even with smoking or drinking, if you're in a point of ovulation, you want to make sure that they slow down on that because that's affecting no matter what you're smoking, it's still constricting the veins in your body, which then affects everything else. So you want to make sure that everybody who's involved in making this baby is on the same page as far as being healthy. Do you know the show Vanderpump Rules? Yeah. Okay. So on this season, two of the cast members, Katie and Tom, they've been having fertility issues and she went through all the testing and she thought it was her. Like, you know, most women think that it's them. And then on the show, like he did a semen analysis and it came back that like you were saying, the sperm were like the heads were off and like the mobility. And so the doctor said like he was smoking weed every week or something. He works at a bar. So he was drinking a lot and he took hot baths all the time. So that's a perfect example. And, you know, I'm happy that it's on this like popular reality show because it's like, see, there you go. Like, so now he has to change his lifestyle to, you know, continue trying to make a baby. And sometimes it's hard to convince the guys now because they're not aware of that, right? Because it's never been a conversation point that that's an issue. And now that, you know, especially weed being legal in most places in the US, it's more common. But yet, you know, it's still affecting change in those areas. So yeah, as well as, as I was mentioning earlier with the, 
you know, 50 years ago, our parents were coming home from work and leaving their work at home. Now men are, you know, constantly working and they're constantly in this different level of stress and the stress levels affect your cell growth. And, you know, that's really kind of where it all comes down to, again, is really making sure that your mind, body, spirit are all in the same page to to get to a healthy spot for both of you to be able to conceive. I think something else that really affects male fertility is hormones. So if they are taking, you know, people that like work out a lot and might be taking like hormones, I'm pretty sure that can really affect it. Yeah, that's something that's not talked about very often is the hormones because we both, men and women, both carry the same hormones. So they have estrogen, have testosterone, we have testosterone and estrogen. And we have to make sure that those are all in balance in order to have our reproductive health be in in tune. So again, when you see a male who maybe is put on a lot of weight during COVID or whatnot, generally their testosterone lowers and their estrogen rises. So that then, of course, in turn affects their sperm quality also. So very important that you're, the men too are at a healthy BMI because of that reason, because all of the hormones go into play with that as well. And also you don't want you know, somebody whose testosterone is like way off the charts too. It needs to be in balance for everything to work properly. But yeah, that's a great point because it's not often a conversation that comes up with men as often as it does with women. The last thing I'll ask is what is your advice for people who are now a mom, but have struggled with infertility in the past? How can you be the best mom if you've had that experience? I love this question because it comes up quite a bit because you feel like I've worked so hard to have this baby and you don't feel like you have a right to be frustrated with anything, to be tired with anything, to take a break with anything. And all of those things are a thousand percent normal. That doesn't mean that you love your baby any less or you wanted your baby any less or you worked less to get them here. And so allowing yourself to, to know that that, situation that I I identified with for so long or so many years of having infertility. And now I have this baby. I don't have to, I don't have to be in that club anymore, right? Like I get to move on. I'm now in this club of being a mom. I can have all the same frustrations that every other mom has. You don't have to feel like, you know, that again, you can't get frustrated. Of course, you're going to get frustrated. And you're more likely actually to have postpartum depression effects because you have identified with infertility for so long, right? So you have this different expectation than somebody who tried and got pregnant right out the gate by like looking at their partner, right? Because you you feel like I have to hold on to this so tight and this is who I've identified with. And I just want to give people permission. You don't have to identify with that any longer. You embrace all the things good and bad about being a mom. Like if anybody tells you that it's you know, super easy to be a mom, they're probably lying to you. There's going to be times where, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) there's going to be times where you're not sleeping multiple times throughout their, you know, when you're, they're a baby, you think that they are in one spot and then they have a regression and then they're not sleeping again or whatever. It's okay to be frustrated with all those things. It's normal. Just having the awareness that you know that you're going to probably be more sensitive to that and telling those people around you. So the people that are helping you care for your baby, your partner, all of those things to say, 
you know what, I might be a little more hypersensitive around these things because of my experience, but help me through this a little bit because you can let go. You don't have to hold on so tight to that. Like you got there, right? You have the baby in your arms, you have the healthy baby, and now you can live your life in a different way. You can complain just like everybody else. And that's that's what I like my message to my sister, you know, when she has this baby, you can complain. Like parenting is hard. It doesn't matter whether you went through infertility. Once you have that baby, it is hard and you can complain. You're going to be frustrated. Like there's going to be times where you're like crying, like because you're so upset. You need a break. You're allowed to go on vacation with your your baby. Yeah, you're allowed you to ask for help. Yeah, and I, I mm-hmm. feel like when people have struggled with infertility for so long and then they do have a baby, they have this mentality like, well, I can't say anything now because people are going to be like, hey, you wanted this baby and you tried so hard to have it. You know, you shouldn't complain, but that is not the case at all. So I hope nobody feels like that, but that is a huge, that's like a good thing to point out for sure. Yeah, that's a kind of an expectation. I feel like we put on ourselves to like, no, because nobody else is thinking that about you. You know, nobody else is saying, oh, you've tried eight years for this baby. So you can never go on vacation without your baby again. No, you know, you want to still show your child too, that you can have a healthy life and move on. And it's not all about that particular, you know, life does not have to revolve around that experience any longer, right? For sure. And no, nobody's thinking that, especially people that have kids because they know, (laughs) they know. (laughs) So lastly, I thought you could share where people can find you on social media, your website. And also I saw that you have a podcast. Yeah, I have a podcast. The podcast is The Pretty Little Tribe. And you can find me on my website, elizabethking.com or on Instagram at elizabethking underscore coaching. And I want to just be here for anybody who has any questions, even if it's around conceiving naturally. You know, I, again, I mentioned I had my kids from 41 to 44. I ended up actually having them all naturally. But if you have questions around ovulation or like no question is a stupid question, feel free to DM me or email me, whatever it is. I'm happy to help in any way that I can to support anyone who's out there listening. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Thanks, Renee. Yeah, I'm glad that we got to connect. <laughs>